Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am your co-host, Carlos Cooper, and with me as always, Joe Hilliard and Dave Gurney. And we are here to do what it is that we do after a week absence, the frozen tundra Oof. of South Texas has thawed. Texas? and Texas wide. Yes, true. Uh, power has been restored. Water is flowing mostly. There has been some issues sourcing parts and finding plumbers with spare time for some. I hope that if you were in that situation, you get your water back soon. I'm not yeah. trying to diminish your plight at all. But water in the Cooper household is flowing. The power is back on. And we are here to pick up where we left off, what should have happened last week. Um, Mm -hmm. I hope that everybody enjoyed uh, that dip into the beer in a movie vault. That was fun to listen to because it had been so long time ago from when we actually recorded it. And it was fun to have just a beer episode. It had to have been in what, August? Yeah. yeah, I think that's where it was. Yeah, it was pre-August because that was when I was going to be. It was before I went for my trip. Ooh, or that's was right. Going that's right. To go for my so trip. July, yeah. we recorded that in July. Had to have been July. Yeah, June. it was a long time ago. Yeah. And to give a shout out to a couple of local breweries is always fun. yes, definitely one hundred percent. Yeah, and then to also kind of go back and like, oh, what what was I watching when I was stuck at home, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. It was uh, it was crazy. Be- before we move on, I feel like I-, I would be remiss if I didn't use it as an opportunity to plug the Patreon to say, if only we were getting those Patreon dollars that we need to get the generator going, uh-huh. we, we yes. could have recorded. That's, that's, that's I mean. the like, next. We, we uh, might have been able to yep. persevere with a mobile recording unit. Uh, yeah. yeah, that 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 will be the next. Uh, use of the patreon funds patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast <laughs> i hope you, t- i hope tonight we can go into a little bit depth in the after hours about how we spent our frozen for a week inside of our homes yeah. with limited power when it came to beer and movies well i don't know if i want to hear david talk about that because i think it'll bum me out I mean, <laughs> it was a long time for my guy yeah, yeah you know you and I, I got always, power I, and i think he was without power you for 24 pow- additional hours you had power first and you live fucking across the street from me so that re- that was like yeah that was <laughs> i was just that much closer to the hospital district yeah yeah. Just give me a paper cut and pour lemon juice on it, why don't you? you <laughs> Sorry. Know? Uh, I could have hit I could have hit your house with a rock, but I couldn't see. I didn't have any lights. <laughs> well, you could see the target. You just wouldn't see where it was leaving. From. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's yeah. true. All right. So you want to get some beers in the glasses? Definitely. And so there's a little beer for us. A little bit of programming change, but we are going to start with a Texas brewery. I thought that would be apropos, given yeah. the fact that we've been frozen here together for a week. Uh, this is out of Fort Worth. This is Panther Island Brewing. This is their Sweet Fang Milk Stout. Guys, it's 6%. I'm going to re- read the side of the can to you. Dave with some great Foley. Our chocolate peanut butter stout, I'm sorry, our chocolate peanut butter sweet stout is perfect on a cool fall night. Aged in, aged with cacao nibs, you get a nice chocolate nose that goes hand in hand with the natural peanut butter flavoring. The lactose used gives a nice creamy mouthfeel along with a medium body. Blada, blada, blada. Let's open this one up and share it, Carlos. Getting a lot of head on this one. Yeah, look at that. It's coming out hot. Oh, that's coming out real hot. Joe's about to that's spill. Right. That's why I bring table. a towel. That just the tip. And sometimes I, I've been known to be an aggressive pourer. I think I was actually being somewhat gentle that time. It was. Uh, I was. I will say before we get started, 
and we talk about a little programming change because we had pimped out what we were going to do over the next couple of weeks, but we've tweaked it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, this morning, maybe? <laughs> I was going to say that uh, I am pleased to be back with you and missed like like that. This helps get back to normal after a very odd week. Agreed. And so I'm, cheers, I'm on boys. the same page. Cheers. cheers, for sure. Sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, well... Okay, so Joe brought us this beer from Panther Island Brewing, uh, as he said, out of Texas. But the name Panther Island Brewing, I think, goes just so well Mm -hmm. with our first film that we're going to talk about, which was planned for last week. So we're carrying over some of the the programming uh, from last week. But this is a relatively new film, actually, a film that premiered just last month at Sundance. Then it uh, showed up on the HBO Max streaming platform. It is Judas and the Black Messiah. It is a film uh, directed by Shaka King, who I had not seen anything. Well, actually, I lie. I'll I'll get to... He did some TV work I've seen. Okay. Um, But uh, even, I guess, more impressively, uh, at least names that people are going to recognize, Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, all in this... um, dramatized version of the events surrounding the rise and fall of Fred Hampton in the Black Panther Party in Chicago in the 19, mm-hmm. you know, 60s into, right, he died in... 70, I think. 70, so he just made it, yeah. So it, th- this was a project that was in development for a few years. Uh, it finally got put together, uh, Ryan Coogler producing. The, the, you I know. saw that in the opening credits. I didn't know that before I started yeah. watching it. it th- that's a name who can get things made now, I think. <laughs> I, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> I believe so. Um, it's, uh, you know, uh, Kaluuya plays uh, the Fred Hampton character. He He's uh, Fred Hampton in this. And Lakeith Stanfield is sort of the other co-lead here, uh, William O'Neill or Bill O'Neill, who is a young black man who gets roped in by the police to become an informant, essentially, for the um, for them with the Black Panther Party. Let right. Know oh, what's going to on avoid jail time. To avoid, right. For the, boosting cars. That's right. So he was a... While impersonating an officer. An FBI <laughs> so, officer, yeah. So... Right. <laughs> Um, so anyway, that, that kind of sets it up and it's, and it's this, you know, the story of the informer, the, the informant, Mm -hmm. the one who's on, who's pretending to be something on the inside, but then gets pulled in and seems to actually have some shared interests and, and, and develop some, some sorts of bonds. I think it's wise to take from the film that he believes that he personally is on the wrong side of it by being an informant and right. thwarting He's not po- comfortable right. with the position mm-hmm. he's in. And and in fact comes to I think have real interest in what it is that the Black Panther Party is doing but then knows that he is caught in this uh terrible place. Yeah. predicament. Cuz he does try to get out and at that point Jesse Plemons who uh I, I hope put weight on for the role. No no, what do you mean? He's, he's just, always he's been just a kind of a big stock. Okay. Uh, he, yeah. I mean, he's not a big dude, but he's like a. I just felt like body shaming a, a dude. <laughs> um, he, hey, he can take it because he just got brought on to uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, he got he's, bumped up. To he, he's lead. taking the, the lead, lead yeah. in that. To spot yeah. number one. Pushed, uh, pushed uh, Leo when, over. When Lakeith Stanfield's character is trying to get out of it and says, mm-hmm. I'm done with it, that's when Jesse Plemons comes down and says, No, we're going to play hardball, but he does it in a. F- 
he's not a forceful guy. He has the power and he knows he has the power yeah. because if you don't want to cooperate, you're going to jail for the charges that are, are will, will, will be back up against you. Right. Um, and of course, you'll lose a stream of income that you've got because now we're trading cash for the tips that you're giving the FBI, giving us mm-hmm. uh, by having infiltrated the Black Panther Party. You know, I did some I did some very serious research for this. Um, I went back into Jesse Plemons's uh, filmography and watched Like Mike to prepare <laughs> to prepare to oh, see that, him in okay. this role to see uh, to see where his uh, I forgot his, he was in that his um I've never seen Like Mike where he begins to kind of uh, flesh out this bully character, mm-hmm. which he does in that film. Um, <laughs> although he redeems himself in that film, he doesn't redeem himself in this film. Um, uh, I think we forgot to mention that Ashton Sanders is in this, uh, a guy who really hit the scene hard in Moonlight, um, you know, fair and yeah. has not, I mean, he's done some like modeling and stuff, um, but hasn't really come back into film in a big, bad way. And I liked him in this film and I thought that his, uh, his death was a particularly impactful scene. Mm-hmm. Now you went, after Jesse Plemons on the body shaming, we're not going to talk about Martin Sheen. He looks dead. <laughs> well, yeah, well, let's get there. I mean, but let's dive in. What do you guys think? I, I thought I thought this is a good film, almost uh, nearly a great film. I recommend that everyone watch it, especially mm-hmm. if uh, you're still at home quarantining and looking for something to watch. This will be nominated for a lot of things because there's a lot of really good here. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I teed you up to you know. You you teed me up for there's a there's an undercurrent to what you were saying there that that I feel like now I have to pick up and and fully go with but please, please let's see what there, this, see what happens you're you're saying there's a lot of good here yeah but you're not saying this thing is good no this this is a good movie oh, okay and I recommend he, that you but see he, it he said it's not a great movie it's it's not great okay I, I'm yeah. not I see why a lot of people do think that it's great. I understand points of view that this is a great movie. I think this is a very good movie. I think there's there's some I think there's some really good parts to it. Yeah. Uh, the, and the performances That's are, where are chief with. among them. Yeah. I mean I think Kaluya is fantastic. Kaluya is great. Movie. I love seeing him in everything. I see Lakeith him in, Stanfield is Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith Stanfield is great. I, I, I no, no you don't no, like he's him? Lakeith Stan- I, I don't think he's playing He's doing the thing that he that he does a lot of. I mean, he has the range, uh, I believe. You know, Um, you know, we see the first time I saw him was in Atlanta, and he's playing a kind of. At least in the first season, I've only seen the first season, but almost kind of like a burnout kind of guy, like Mm -hmm. almost kind of goofy, a little dumb, but you Mm -hmm. know, um, just kind of hanging out with the rapper kind of guy, you know. But then, you know, Sorry to Bother You is a much different kind of character from that. He's not like a lackey kind of just... Well, and it forces whatever. him into some strange situations. Yeah, yes, and, and so he, he's able to kind of... He was able to stretch also, out a bit in that. I know it's not as big, but his turn and get out is, is I think, notable. He's very in that. good in that. He stood yeah. out to me in that film. Oh, I for sure. It, sure. You know. And even to the point where I was watching it and I saw him and I was like, this fucking guy looks so familiar. Because like mm-hmm. I was just... I was paying so much attention to his character because he was doing things that were making yeah. me take note of him. You know, he he that is a 
that his performance in Get like his role in Get Out could have easily faded into a background kind yeah, of figure. Right, yeah, sure. Uh, but he really brings it yeah home. It has a uh, weird in weird a yeah. Uh, so that th- that role could have gotten lost in that movie, but he makes it so that that does not happen but i but you know he's he's just doing he's just there's not a, i don't i just didn't feel like there was a lot of like performance yeah. from him in the way that there is from kaluuya who is british and who is like giving this like yeah. very convincing like well who do we know more about judas or jesus right so the black messiah in this film is yeah. the Brand daniel kaluuya yeah. character yeah. and he is by all accounts um, Fred Hampton yeah. is this magnetic personality that mm-hmm. had the oratory power to bring together the original Rainbow Coalition. Mm-hmm. And all of those facts and everything, the facts of this movie, I think, is the main reason to see it, because this is an important piece of social history in America that I did not know enough about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Judas, the betrayer, the mm-hmm. informant, what... Lakeith is 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 given to do is to look pensive in the background. Mm-hmm. He he, he the, he's not dialogue heavy part, so it's really all right. facial and an action. Yeah. And I don't think that he has enough here to be able to rise to the performance of his counterpart in the title. Uh, mm. So I I'm on the side with Carlos here. In fact, I mm. thought Carlos and I would get into it because I know what a sorry to bother you fan he is. And and how much of that is yeah, about the key standpoint? I can. I mean, I can understand it. I I think it worked well enough for me. I'll I'll grant you that I don't see I don't see this role as being like some huge expansion of his reign. Right. But at the same time, I think it works well enough for the the figure in this film who is the yeah. Judas, who's the one who's caught between this, you know, what what seems to be a true interest and loyalty that he would like to show towards the Black Panthers, but then the obligation he has to the state because of the dirt they have on him that right. they're, you know, they'd be able to put him in jail for. So it and what a powerful ending when you hear what actually happened with this guy, you know, the the real life version of Bill O'Neill, who um, you know, well, I guess spoilers, right? He kills himself after uh, you know, the the um Stuff gets released. What what was it that there was uh, like a documentary about? Is um, it's it's really interesting. I mean, the movie plays it in this crazy way where you watch him say like, "Well, you know, history will tell the story," and like I, you know, whatever. Basically saying, basically saying, he thinks that the presentation of the facts as they and the events as they occurred would kind of vindicate him a little bit. That he's and part it doesn't, of the but, struggle. And, and, yeah, and it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And then the day after this documentary, which I'm desperately trying to find the name of right yeah. now, um, he, he kills himself because, right. in fact, that did not happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, there's, there's a lot of crime thriller action parts to yeah. this film there, I, that there I found that. really fun and enjoyable to watch. The, every time that uh, Daniel Kaluuya is on screen is engaging. I, the the, the one, church scene mm-hmm. where when he comes yeah. out of prison, you know that that was I a, thought was really 
the documentary was Eyes on the Prize too. So. Okay, yes, the, the huge the series. The, yes, yeah. yes. And so when he saw his segment, obviously he realized, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the scene where he comes out of prison and goes to the church, yeah, that you were just talking about, yeah, I didn't want you to forget where you were. Oh, going. I was just saying it was a tremendous scene. I mean, it's it was great just scene. beautifully and that's, and that's, orchestrated. One of those, one of the many moments in the film where I'm reminded, oh, I wish I was seeing this on a big screen. Yeah, I, the. This did play in theaters, or it has been playing in uh, theaters, so yeah. that's a possibility. Some of our listeners may have seen it that way. Yeah, or they probably still can. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene is particularly good because it's one of the moments where we start to see Bill believe and buy into the ideology only to, through a very small part in a sea of people, yeah. see Jesse Plemons just staring at him as he's <laughs> saying, I am a revolutionary. Right. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, that moment is kind of haunting, you know, yeah. like not that, not that a character who is referred to as Judas in the title of the film necessarily deserves any kind of redemption. Um, but you kind of almost, it seems they're almost hinting at the possibility of it. You know what I mean? Like maybe, yeah, whatever, well, um, for an audience member who doesn't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen already, which I, I, I knew that Hampton was going to be assassinated. Yeah. I didn't know enough about O'Neill to know that he never got out or never tried to right his wrongs or anything like that. I suspected, I felt like it was probably a pretty good chance that he wasn't going to yeah. do any of that stuff. But I, yeah, I really liked that scene. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about a guy who started all of these great social programs in his community. Cause I was just talking to somebody in the shop earlier about how, for some reason, Americans can't seem to wrap their heads around this idea. And so I think this is a very important of community programs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, it's not sexy you know, it's, it's not. And I, and I think that that's, you know, as we talk through this film, I liked it a lot. I, but I could detect in the way that Joe set it up. I could detect that like, it isn't a film that set me on fire and yeah. that made me feel like, yeah. oh, uh-huh. you know what I mean? There wasn't that click together. But as Carlos is talking about it, you know, part of that is because it isn't as sexy what Fred Hampton was. I mean, yes, he was a great orator. So you have some of that. You 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 have you have some. Of but the idea of a guy who a lot of the, you know, sort of his reputation is about, you know, a breakfast program for mm-hmm. for for kids, which it's incredibly important and and incredibly, but how do you bring that across on the screen in a way that's compelling and is going to grab people's attention? I mean, they can talk about what the man's doing and you, you do it, but did they visualize it as well as they could have? I, I'm not sure that, that they did. Um, it is a very engaging notion and it is all true. I looked it up that he was able to pull together the groups he did for that initial rainbow coalition, mm-hmm. uh, pu- Puerto Rican gay. I mean, folks that that traditionally in that um, neighborhood did not work together. Right. Uh, even a you know a, a white supremacist group. You yeah. know that 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 at the end of the day, the struggles that we face are ultimately very very similar. Yeah. Even if we're voicing it and directing anger toward way different groups. Right. But there's two performances that I'd like to talk about before we before we think about sure. wrapping it up. And that's Dominique Fishback, who plays the girlfriend, uh the 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 mother to Hampton's child yeah. and isn't 
does a lot with supporting role level of film time. Yeah. She is a magnetic presence. You understand exactly why he's attracted to her. And then you learned that behind every man is a great man is a great woman. And certainly that is the case here. She, who keeps him honest, who keeps him focused on the things that they shared when it came to the, the revolution and the struggle that they yeah. were, that, that, that they were enlisting one another to participate in together. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The second one you brought up already, and that's Martin Sheen. Mm-hmm. And if there's a glaring flaw with this film, it is not only the casting of Martin Sheen, because you never he never loses his Martin Sheen-ness, but the makeup and the design of his whole character was so distracting. Yeah. Well, and he's playing Hoover. I mean, he's playing J. Edgar, J. Edgar Hoover. Understood. Yeah. No, no, and, I'm, and I'm just saying like a very recognizable figure uh-huh. who's been played i mean leonardo dicaprio did right. an entire film as you know the, the, as this character yeah I, I, when i say it's not a great film this is one of the things that keeps it from being great yeah so much so that i question the production team's decision well when, he's a pretty i will say they at least limited his screen presence sure. i mean it was yeah, it's it, not there were only a, a couple of sure. scenes that he, that he shows up in but i agree sure it, it was not not great makeup <laughs> but the film is bravely anti-authoritative because yeah. it does not portray the fbi in a very positive way at all when Nor it comes should it. It's understood when it comes to Hoover, hoover's no insistence that civil rights leaders of the time be character assassinated and taken down you know right and we see some of that it's actually interestingly played with the flyers that the fbi prints yeah. up and distributes around a, a head of that was a very Different like protests. a very um, Steve Buscemi and Thirty Rock with the music band. Sure, yeah. and how how do you do, fellow kids? Like yeah. it was a very that moment. It's just like you're trying to imitate and like mm-hmm. sound like you're part of a culture that you are not, and it's not ever going to work for you. Yeah, you know. Um, well, one thing that it, that it got me, and before we we totally move on from Kaluuya and and Stanfield, the they're a little too old. The- oh, Kaluuya is much too old. Yeah. Which I, mean, which I didn't realize until the, I didn't realize well, that's how thing. young I've Fred Hampton was. I've seen some footage. I mean, he was like 21 I, when he was, he was 21. Yeah, when he I've died. seen documentary footage of these guys. You know, like he's 10 years older than him. And they were kids. I mean, really bright, talented, hugely. I mean, Fred Hampton is like a kid, though, in fairness. I mean, he's Not, a, he looks like a big guy. He looked like a big guy, but a young big guy. I mean, I don't know. There, there There's something of like a youthful vitality there mm-hmm. that, that someone. Kaluuya, I think, brings it across more so. Stanfield, though, that guy, uh, Bill O'Neill, when he was caught, he was like 16 or 17 when, when he was. Go- there's no way that that's a 16 or 17 year old anything. The, tiny, was, tiny. He was but, only a year younger than Hampton was. O'Neill. Okay, but I'm saying, but but Stanfield doesn't come across as all as twenty. Like, no, no, or no. nineteen or twenty. No, yeah. he does not. So that, that I forgive that. I forgive. I I, I could I get see it. how I, in a different t- movie, maybe. Yeah, that's. I'm gonna get hung up on that. I mean, like, Stanfield's only twenty nine. Like the impracticality of an RV camper in um, Sound of Metal. I mean, like I could really get hung up on the, the detail there, the but I'm not gonna yeah. do that. Yeah, just a small point. He didn't just even a hear small me. Point. 
No, I'm sorry. I was, I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to research on the fly to get us these stats, you know? Well, what's the stat you got? There? Well, no, what I was looking into Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah, I think, like I said, good, not great. It's going to get plenty of, of play in the come award well, time. I think, I think if it wins things, it's going to be for the performances. Yeah. And I think they, I think largely deserve it. It, even if we differ on, a little bit on Stanfield, it sounds like we align very much on Kaluuya and Plemons and Fishback and, and a lot of the, you know, it, even Lil Rel, it's good to see him show up. Uh, no, not I, enough screen time I, there. I was going to say, I saw him in the credits and I was like, fuck yeah, let's let's yeah. go. I haven't seen my mans in a minute <laughs> uh, since Uncle Drew, baby. Uh, Has it been that long? Has he not shown I, I think he's been in some stuff okay, since then. But, okay. um, uh, you know, he, he all, was yeah. fucking great in Get Out. Mm-hmm. Good and Uncle Drew, yeah, and then has kind of. I mean, he had a. Sh- I think he had, he had a sitcom. A t- he had a sitcom, yeah, yeah. Um, didn't, but didn't stick around. Um, yeah. yeah, but but I think you're right. It, it's you know some great performances, really interesting historical, you know, piece in 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 the sense that it shines a light on something that I think a lot of people just aren't really aware of. Yeah, and. Yeah, maybe it doesn't do it full justice, but even just getting some attention on it, I think, is important. I, I mean, it's I, it's it's so everybody should see it because yeah. the because American news and predominant cultural forces and the education system will not show you the reality of what the Black Panther Party was, and it certainly will never show you the reality of what the FBI is. Mm. Uh, and especially like the evil men that controlled that institution at this time. Well, it's, it's, it's actually, I feel like we are coming around on that where the Hoover era FBI is now actually pretty consistently cast in sort of a villainous light. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how killers of the flower moon handle it. I mean, it's, it's an interesting story, but that, that was something I was thinking of. I mean, you're, you're going to see this same dynamic unfold with Plemons as an FBI agent, you know, loyal to Hoover or, you know, or working with Hoover. Although in that film, it'll be a younger Hoover. And yeah, yeah. well, and it also, it's interesting. We talked about this, um, in Tri- trial of the chicago seven which yeah. bobby seal also shows up in this film as well um yeah. and we certainly talked about it in mangrove with in relation to the guy that plays uh the constable right that's a, that's the yeah. title uh and you were pulley pc pulley pc yeah. pulley yeah police constable pulley and you were talking about these white guys that take these roles as these yeah. s- the plemons scum of the earth and plemons is fucking going i mean He's fuck him dude. In this yeah, movie. no, fuck him in this movie, but he's good he's, in it. I honestly, he's gonna be, I, I think, one of his generation's best love actors. He'll be he, the next Nicholson, up there. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he's getting set up with killers. I mean, I loved him, and I'm thinking of ending things. I know we differed a little bit in how we felt about the film. Did but you I think, think that I didn't like that movie? Did I say I didn't like? No, that movie? but it, well, Joe didn't love it, right? Joe, well, I, I think that's so. just. We're doing our yeah, best yeah, of 2020 yeah, yeah, episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But my point is, I think Plemons at this point <laughs> has, proven, surprises. has proven to me that he is of that caliber where he's going to be around. And actually, Kaluuya is getting pretty close. So here's a film yeah. where you have two guys who I think are probably going to be long term, big, big, big stars. Fishback has good potential, too. This could be one of those films that even as time goes on, it's reputation yeah. sort of grows because it's, oh, you got to see him play Fred Hampton. Oh, you have to see him 
you know, when he was playing the agent, uh, you know, going after the Panthers. You know, that. Yeah, I, I, but to kind of cap off um, what I was saying, that people people need to see stuff like this because the people, and I, I know you're saying that we're kind of coming around, but like when I was in high school, Edgar J. Edgar Hoover's era of the FBI was not looked down upon. Really? Uh, re- not. I mean, I granted, I did have an incredibly, who uh, probably now QAnon U.S. history teacher. I mean, <laughs> I mean, she. I, yeah. I mean, she was like Uh-oh. pretty like Tea Party adjacent back then, before there was really a strong right. Tea Party presence. Um, that was like probably just before that happened. I mean, she was a fucking nut job, and I, even I knew that then, and I was not quite as sort of like I wouldn't. A, I wouldn't say society. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm particularly. Ra- I'm not as radical as some, but uh, I wasn't even remotely as radical then. I was more just like a yeah party Democrat, you know. Right. Um, but I don't know. People need to see stuff like this because they need to realize. Or they need to see evidence of the fact that the people who are often painted as like dangerous radicals and who are slapped with the communist label and all of that kind of stuff are the only people that are there to actually help you. Yeah. Like, and no greater evidence of this has been the last week. You know, mm. like, <laughs> t- you know, Ted Cruz went off and went to Mexico. <laughs> Meanwhile, a woman who is not only vilified by the yeah. majority of our state, yeah, yeah. but isn't even remotely, isn't even close to being from here, yeah. raised millions of dollars oh, to help. No. And the people who are who literally have the word socialists in their organization title have in the last five days, seven days now, if you're listening to this, and the number has probably changed since uh, we recorded this on Monday, and now you're listening Wednesday, have distributed $13,000 to local people who couldn't work or had damage done to their homes for like, you know, to help them meet their financial needs. Broken pipes with the the recent freeze you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, there, there are a number of reasons that people could submit to CC mutual aid, which is organized by the democratic socialists of America chapter Mm -hmm. here in town for financial aid. And they went through and they processed all of those requests. They called everybody. And as of Monday, the 22nd over $13,000 has been put back into the community to help people. That's great. Benny, that. Need that. Yeah. Todd Hunter's not what are doing we, what that. What are we talking about? Okay, so, no, no, I'm, I'm talking about the reason that this no, movie is important. I, 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 I mean, understand, but you're, you're getting hyper local with your, with your, uh, well, the, no, but, but I'm just saying because this guy, yeah. I mean, look, no, I, mean, I get this it. Is, Carlos, this Carlos, is a microcosm of yeah, this, what is the key word you said earlier was painted and the, and the, it, the job, the film does a very interesting job talking about how people can be painted as things that they aren't to rally opposition. And to that end, I, that goes back to the criticism that I made before that I wish it had found a way to bring across a little bit more yeah. of that, what their mission, like it's talked yeah, about agree. and it's in there, but I feel like the film does a tiny disservice to the legacy in the sense that it doesn't, it, you know, it's spotlighting more the action part of it. The, the like, yeah. you know, the shootouts and the betrayal, and you know, like, yeah. which was there, 
But man, I want to see them like handing out food to kids. And yeah. I want to see like I would it, like to have seen more of the work that Hampton did to form that coalition because that happens. Well, there you go. In the absolutely, the absolutely. Yeah. No, so, the, I mean it's I, definitely the, not perfect. But you're right. You're right. For the very reason that this helps to bring another angle to that story to people who just think Black Panthers. Ooh, weren't those the guys who were all like militant, uh, radical, had guns all everywhere? Yeah, like weren't they the racists? Which they hated white people. You know that, that which the NRA should love the Black Panthers if they were really about what they're about. But well, honestly. that that was back when the Second Amendment wasn't something that that uh, whites were championing as much. Well, what I'm just saying now, retroactively, yes, no, they should look back and be like, look at these fine Americans. Yeah taking full advantage and championing their Second Amendment rights, but they don't because they're fucking racist. All right. Well, um, did we champion our... Which amendment allows us to drink beer? Was that the 21st? (laughs) Okay, were we championing the 21st Amendment? Panther Island Brewing out of Fort Worth, Texas, just recently released a Bucky's Beaver Nuggets... Beaver... Fuck that whole thing up. Bucky's Beaver Nuggets Nuggets beer. That's the... That was them that did that? Yeah, brewery that did that. So they're a growing Texas brewery, clearly. Beaver Nuggets, is that like the caramel corn? What what are beaver nuggets? I have no idea. Okay, all right. I've never purchased them. It's a bag of candy available but at a very popular if you let state. Me, I know, if, but if you I let just, me I'm trying to think what kind of candy it is. It's, it's, it's not a, like chocolate. I, I don't know. I've never had yeah, them. Okay. I it's think... caramel coated corn pops. Okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay, so not popcorn. This corn though pops, is but... chocolate covered peanut butter. Yeah, milk stout. What, what did you guys think? You know, it it poured so hot, and I was wondering if it was going to taste overcarbonated. And it did to me. I think it did a little. It was too prickly. The, right. You know, like it, drinking it, I think, especially right at the beginning, it was too much of that. The chocolate's there. Yeah. I get the chocolate. I don't get a ton of peanut butter. I didn't either. Either on the nose or in the flavor. It's not very good. I mean, it's the look, and this is an issue that can happen with stouts. I don't think that, like, I don't think that my distaste for this beer is enough to, like, make me never want to touch Panther Island again because it's not like it's all bad. But when you are doing a stout, especially, you know, something, I don't know if they actually put adjuncts in it, but something they're advertising is having. saying peanut butter. Chocolate and peanut butter. I mean, you know, they had to put something in it. But when you get hypercarbonated on a stout, that tingle that the carbonation causes on your tongue takes, it mutes all the flavors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it it makes it hard, and it, does. it. I mean, unless you're really dedicated to mm-hmm. tasting what the brewer was trying to get you, and you just let it sit in your mouth until all the carbonation kind of <laughs> so dissolves so or whatever, it flattens in so your it mouth. flattens yeah. in your mouth, which I'm not doing. I don't want to put that much effort. In <laughs> it's not good beer. to do while you're trying to talk on a microphone. <laughs> certainly, yeah. certainly not. And, and, and so this this one was a big it was a big miss for me. Uh, I mean, I don't think that like it should be. I don't think that the brewery no. should be completely judged by this one it, it wasn't batch a, of this one beer. It wasn't beer, a total but... Judas to the beer industry. This year. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, uh, but it I'm, was I'm, disappointing, though. I'm in complete alignment with you here. Man, look at that. Joe and I agree. Very you, disappointed. You do, yeah. Very disappointed. Um, but but the terrible taste of failure? No, that's not in my mouth. No. It's just no. it's just not I'm getting up to the, the hints caliber of, the of what we tend yeah. to, to get to enjoy on the show. Yeah, I'm getting I'm hints of what... Glad we tried them. We'll try them again sometime. Yeah. I'm getting hints of what they were getting at, but yeah, it's not ultimately. fully realized. Not fully no. realized. All and right, then, you know it happens that way. Um, will our next be beer? Will our will our next beer be fully realized? Uh, will our next film be fully realized? This is 
I, I mean, long time coming. drum roll, long please, been leading yeah. up to this movie, uh, coming up for a long time now. Um, there's no way you read the episode title and know what we're talking about, so you'll just have to wait until we get back from break. Don't it, travel too far. Don't travel too far until we tell you what the second half of the episode is going to be when we return. I knew he was going to do it. Yeah, all I right. saw him Look watching at that. Well, you got to let him have one hey, every yeah, once in a while. No, I'm done now. now. Right now. <laughs> I'm That's, you're going out on top. We can even retire that bit. Well, we, we are going into the second half. Oh, this uh, looks interesting. To, to see if... Talk about a film that we've been talking about in name alone for now months. Uh, but before we get there, let's get this beer in the glass. This is Impressive Dexterity. It is an India-style pale lager brewed with Idaho 7, Motuika, and El Dorado hops. It is Good from pronunciation. Div- oh, I've never you. been able to pull it off. <laughs> what, Motuika? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Divine Barrel Brewing, they are out of Charlotte, North Carolina. They have a little saying on the can. It is, to brew is human, to ferment divine. And so, you know, Divine Barrel, I guess, that tie in there. They're, I don't know if they're actually religious or if they're just kind of, they're probably being playful, right? Maybe they're I w- maybe I, they're reformed. Maybe they once were. Maybe the guy who started it was a priest, and now he's, you know, in the brewing world. If I, I don't know. I should have looked up something on these guys. I hope they are being playful. Being I, but I'm excited. Me, I cannot talk today. I hope they're being playful because if not, the first sip of this, I will burst into flames. Stop! <laughs> stop holding the beer in your mouth when you're trying to I talk. Know. David, just trying to let it flat. Carlos. We don't get to drink an imperial pale lager often. No. It's not a style that you see on the shelves every day. Right. We could probably talk for a few seconds about what that even means. Right. So as opposed to an ale, right, this is a, a, a beer that's brewed in the lager style where they're, you know, brewing at colder temperatures, fermenting at colder temperatures right. with a different kind of yeast mm-hmm. um, or a, a variation on beer yeast. And then it is conditioned longer. It's, yeah. it's, it's held on to longer. It tends to produce a cleaner beer, right? Our Pilsners, our various lagers that we've had, those are all lagered beers. This one here is doing it with a hot profile that would put it more into the realm of what we think of as IPAs. IPA flavors, yeah. But again, doing it with the yeast and, and the sort of process being more of a lager process. So it should give us something that's like a little more crisp and clean than your typical IPA, but with a very similar hot profile to an IPA. I intended on saying all of that a lot more eloquently. And uh, you, so, I wish I had let you. Yeah, you hmm. just went and ran with it, so I let you go. <laughs> we were going to do, we were going to pair with Judas and the Black Messiah. Our plan was to do that with In the Heat of the Night, Oscar right. winner for 1967. Yeah. Right. So so um, thinking we'd take something of the era that was being depicted in the film, yeah. look at it, that was touching on race, that was doing, yeah. Well, it was also the idea of what is black cinema that's succeeding at the box office sure. in the time of Fred Hampton, you know, Fred Hampton's life and work in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but since Nomadland came out on Hulu this past Friday, and David, you said it very eloquently today that uh, your entire feed is filled with it. 
yeah. guess we were eager to kind of get it out. Well, I think a lot of people have been anticipating. I mean, we've been talking totally. about it. And it, it was that film that we were waiting on to watch before we even did our end of the year list because it was appearing on so many best of right. lists in the number one or very close to spot. And talk about like expectations. Everyone is saying this is the best film of the year. And um, sometimes they're right. And sometimes there's a hype machine behind it. Yeah. Uh, watching the trailer for the movie didn't really get me super excited about it outside of the idea that it was going to be some kind of piece of cinema or film that the trailer can't even really relay. Yeah. It's hard to get excited about a trailer when The Rock isn't in it. That's a good point. And, <laughs> you know, you flip a coin. Is, why it, didn't they put him? Because when he shows up there in like <laughs> the last 10 minutes, I thought, changes everything. Yeah. Wow. His, he had that stoop, super stupid big RV that was all freaked <laughs> out. And, it turned into like Mad Max Fury Road sure. happening. Yeah. 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 Uh, does anyone want to? Jason Statham's playing guitar we, on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then a helicopter came on and a chain. Yeah. Do you, uh, anybody want to talk about this one to give us a, oh, a yeah, brief? I mean, we know it's David that's going to give us the rundown. All right. right. So right. The, so we have Francis McDormand mm-hmm. uh, playing Fern. Legend. A, yeah, right. Absolutely. Oscar winner one or two years ago. Right. Uh, three billboards. Yeah. And yeah. then had won for Far- Fargo back in the 90s. Yeah. Should have so, won for Raising Arizona. I mean, there, there are many of It's an after hours roles, discussion. But uh, it, great actor and just always picks really interesting roles too or is picked for interesting roles however that works in the cases of whatever film we're talking about but here she is playing fern who is a woman who's been displaced had once worked in a town that was really a factory town the factory closed and the town literally disappeared factory owned all of the contract housing right so she didn't just lose her job she lost her house literally disappeared the zip code right once they left it just evaporated mm-hmm. you know there so she she um and her husband dies shortly thereafter and what she's left with is very little sells it off for the most part and then hits the road in a converted van mm-hmm. that then she lives this nomadic lifestyle um going from gig to gig where you know like in the holiday season going to an amazon warehouse to work that's one of the first locations we see her working we see her traveling across the country to to do uh, other similar gigs at different times of the year, but also seeing that community of people who are living this lifestyle like she is, who are primarily people who are, you know, approaching retirement age people or people who should be maybe enjoying some sort of retirement, at least in the quote-unquote American dream vision of America, but who are clearly living more on the fringes. I think you mean in the tyranny of the dollar. Okay. (laughs) Yes, however we want to frame that. Legend, that guy. Uh, But Bob Wells. Yes, it, he clear, literally is, which I you know is an interesting thing. This film introduced me to. I, I didn't know this guy. Oh, he's uh, a real guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, he, absolutely. No, no, that is the real guy. Oh, yeah. That's the real there guy. There are only it's a real two guy. or three actors in this film. The rest of the people in the right. film are oh, the people, a. and they're the people that the that the nonfiction book uh, that came out a few years ago right. uh, highlighted. Mm-hmm. The jo- uh, and the author of the book, a journalist worked at Amazon and the beet farm. And so they went back to kind of duplicate the experience that she had. Interesting. Um, Focusing on a specific character in this. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Go ahead, David. Were you done? Yeah, that's, I mean, so that's really the setting Mm -hmm. and what we're seeing is Fern living this lifestyle and, you know, various moments where that gets questioned. People, people encounter, you know, this journey that she takes as the year, it's basically over the course of a year. Yeah, it bookends with a Christmas gig at the Amazon yeah. warehouse. 
that, um, you know, the people she encounters, this what seems like it could be a relationship uh, at, at one point, um, but but I think more powerfully the people she meets and bonds with along the way. Uh-huh. And learns the skill and trades required to be a nomad successfully. We catch her at the beginning relatively new with her introduction into this lifestyle. Yeah. And right after the gig, when she's made a friend who suggests that in the time she has between the next gig she has lined up to go to the rubber tramp retreat i think it's called yeah and uh which is a real place with the real uh bill wells bob wells thank you bob wells quartzite arizona and uh where he gives seminars and there's communal teaching about how to change a flat tire and how to trade for things you know how Mm -hmm. to how to barter which is a lost skill in america it seems so uh yeah it's it's a every once in a while a film comes out that does well the notion of reminding us that film is a visual medium. This film is dialogue light. It shows rather than tells. And what it's showing here is one of my favorite types of films whenever it's done correctly. I've talked about it many times. Exposing the viewer to something that they just don't know much about. A complete subset culture that exists in, in, in America and if this film is as successful critically and at the Academy Awards and stuff, and more and more people see it, I believe that this is about to spark a huge interest in this lifestyle. You may not be wrong about that. Um, because you, you hit it on the head, David. A lot of the folks in the film are folks that the American system tell us should be enjoying their retirement with a healthy nest egg from a 401k and a social security pension and you know mm-hmm. the, the design of what the end of life is in america and they say no or they're forced economically yeah. to not be able to pursue it right and i found this movie to be hauntingly beautiful it gets in your head and it rattles around um it, i've talked too much carlos i don't think you've talk that much at all um i feel like you get in your head about that sometimes um i'm gonna teach you how (laughs) it's never gonna work i'm almost 30 i'm stuck in my ways uh uh, fuck what was i gonna say now um i one thing beautiful no hold on one thing that he said that i almost forgot um in the middle of that, you said something about how this might spark interest in this kind of lifestyle. Sure. What's interesting is this lifestyle has been popular for a while now, but it's been popular in this like gentrified kind of way. You're looking at these like really bougie van conversions and people in there like, you know, people that are, that were most likely from middle to upper middle class families that instead of backpacking across Europe, Right. Like they normally would they decide become to become heavy metal a van. drummers and lose their hearing. Uh, well, that's an airstream, David. <laughs> very different culture. Airstream culture and converted van culture. Very. I don't want to upset anybody. Yeah, it's very yeah, different yeah. things. I would never cross Sorry. them. Um, but it's a thing. Like I have some friends that mm-hmm. did that. You know. Um, yeah, I did. I, I did. Too. I was going to ask you if y'all have anyone yeah, that participates. No, no I. I did. The, I had some friends that you know I had toured with. Uh, for a little bit and that were they graduated the year after me but we went to high school together and they converted this van they this van they called it white ferrari and they drove across the country for like a summer my friend uh zach had gotten laid off from a he was a petroleum engineer 
and he had some severance and stuff and like, you know, it was just like, all right, fuck it. Like I'm not going to do anything for a little while. Um, but what I think is interesting about this is like most things that are portrayed with this kind of glossy finish on the internet, this is a more realistic Mm -hmm. and like, you know, approach to people that, warts and all uh, aren't just doing it for like a summer because they got bored or right, whatever right. you know like it's, it's, the, it's real... the new version of backpacking across europe the, it's, well, it's this experience that i'm supposed to have before i die but it's not a lifestyle that i'm going to adopt forever yeah these are people that live yeah. this and are it's you know it's the difference between hobbyist and you know lifers and yeah. anything you yeah. know um so when you said that, that made me think about that made me think about that. But I won't say too much more until I'm going to let David go. <laughs> well, saying. I think Joe, when you when you say it's hauntingly beautiful, I mean, watching this film, the the cinematography alone, just the landscape yeah. photography element of it mm-hmm. is enough for me to. I was sitting there. It was definitely one of those films. I I think probably the most since first cow that I've seen where I've been like, I just want to see this in a movie theater. I'll go one better. I, be- I will see this in a movie theater when it's all said and done and we're safe <laughs> I, to go. I, and this movie is okay, available. Yeah. I'm going to go check this That's, off the list. I'm, you're I'm absolutely happy you're correct. saying that. I, These are vistas that a big screen can only compliment. Yeah. The beautiful, I mean, a lot of it is John shot. Ford style. A lot of it is shot at golden hour. You have those like beautiful, you know, like sunset skies that are, and and not in like an overly like showy romantic no. way, no. but in like a subtle mm-hmm. kind of dusty. Well, it's the Western U.S. mostly, mm-hmm. right? They're in, yeah. you know Arizona, and uh, it, well, it's a way to demonstrate a positive to this lifestyle. Yeah, and um, her friend that they're surrounded by this natural beauty almost yeah. always. Yeah. Her friend is talking about ending, uh, coming to the end of her life. Oh, okay. This is this is the scene that I had to rewatch. Go ahead. Where. So Swanky is one of the characters here who is a real life. This is, she is a uh, nomad. She uh-huh. uh, goes by the name Swanky in her own life and she appears in the film. And there's a sequence where uh, Frances McDormand's character, Fern, sort of, uh, you know, connects with her and they're they're hanging out together and, you know, uh, uh, Swanky starts coughing and, and takes some pills and, and she reveals to Fern that she has cancer and, and, or, and that's and, not a trained actress. No. It was so beautiful and right. so good and so and, real. And then, she, but what was the, yes, and that's beautiful how yeah. she delivers that information and everything. But then she goes into this really like, but it's okay. And I'm taking this final trip and I've had all of these wonderful moments. And she starts listing off these natural occurrences around her, like seeing a moose family cross She the was stream, blessed enough to have witnessed. That she was yeah. on a kayak when some, and, which is, she's obviously much more deeply connected to nature than I am. I mean, I'm envious of that in, in some ways. But the, the very fact that like she had crystallized in her mind what these moments were <laughs> that were important to her, that had been worth living her life for, she's listing them off. And then that music, holy crap. And if, if Carlos tells me that the score on this is bad, I am going to explode. Because I didn't like it. Dude. you didn't like it, oh, you motherfucker! You you got to this guy owns a record dude, shop. Dude's got to go to school on. I don't know who should have been him scored by Ry Cooter or something like that. I mean, that's about the American West. That could have worked, but but, but I piano like, and strings and stuff. I want some lab yeah, steel. Yeah, but I but it had the right motion and the the 
music just came in perfectly. It it was a wonderful moment. And then she said, you know, and she kind of gives what she hopes for her final uh, remembrance will be, you know, her friends gathering, throwing these rocks into a fire. Part of what she does is collect stones from around the... And so it was just this beautiful, realized moment of a person yeah. in w- some of the most clear and succinct and and yet, I think, emotionally direct way that I've ever seen uh, bring across what life yeah. had meant to her and why she thought it was worth living and how she was not at all afraid to yeah. leave that life, that she felt fulfilled. Did you guys interpret that the storage unit that she was holding onto back in the city that she lived in, the town or near the town that is now evaporated with her husband, she sits down with Bob mm-hmm. and they have a conversation and she explains that uh, my my husband, you know, and I miss him and yeah. I miss our life together and, Bob tells the story of his son's suicide. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we're talking about two of the more depressing scenes in the film. So don't think that this is what the whole the, film is okay, about. Okay, but, but the swanky it's one I don't think is depressing yeah. at all. It's the opposite of depressing. Well, we've, yes. we've, we've come to know that this is a character required in Fern's life, at least for the time being, and that she's probably about to go. And, you know, mm-hmm. and Bob says that the nomad lifestyle is one where we do not say goodbye. We say, I'll, I'll see you down the road. Yeah. And I know that in this cosmic soup that we call world and we call universe and we might even call afterlife that I'll see my son on down the road. And that's what makes me be able to live in the present right now. Mm-hmm. And those words inspire, or at least after those words, Fern goes and gets rid of the storage unit. Any tie that she had yeah. to a place, um, and then, you know, of course, the ending shot is she's on another adventure. She's continuing this lifestyle. Yeah. Um, those kinds of subtle scenes, the scene where her, where she goes to her sister to get some much-needed money to fix her van, because this is all that she's got and it's not working. Yeah. And, and the, you can't just get into And the arm. sister defends her at that dinner party with the real estate folks. Yeah. After she's been critical of the real estate, the concept of real estate. Yeah. And says, no, I I, I'm... I'm I'm happy with Fern. I believe, you know, these subtle things that were so just real, just, it's not overblown for melodrama. It's not reaching a dramatic crescendo. It's just demonstrating what real life looks like. But sometimes when you try to do that, it comes across as flat. It's so rich. Yeah. You know, and then she's off on another adventure where we're going to see another beautiful shot of, of, of some kind of American vista. You're right yeah. about trying to portray real life, though. It's like Costanza pitching. It's a show about nothing. Nothing happens, just like life. But it can all. It can also be done in a way where it's not overly dramatized. Yeah. But it, it it's presented in a more natural way that we can still connect with. Um. You know, I I do think at times. Look, I'm going to be honest. Talking about this film for me is difficult because Ooh. I watched it in so many segments. Mm. Um because of our last minute change in programming that I, I, I did find myself realizing while I was going through it, like the constant starting and stopping is really hindering my ability to yeah. emotionally connect with this film. I bet it does. And to it's really like you're running hurdles instead of a and, sprint. And yeah. then also like one of the, there's a, there was a moment. Um, I think it was, I don't think she had quite gone to, uh, David's house, yeah, house, family's yeah. house, yeah. But it was kind of getting closer to that, and I was like, okay, I'm starting to kind of 
I'm getting in the rhythm of this, you know? Yeah. And then I had to stop again, right as I was feeling oh, like I was yeah. starting to like plant my feet. I but, think that this is a rewatch with Kylie though. Don't you think well, she enjoyed yeah. this movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we already talked about it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but again, maybe it's because of all of that. I say that to preface my next bit or not. It's not a bit, but um, it's, there's a certain point where it's like, almost kind of difficult to relate to Fern because there are people that care about her, that want her around and to watch a character shun all of that to just be alone on the road is kind of, it's kind of head scratching to a certain extent, you know? And, and you have maybe, to accept the fact that she is living a life opposite of what we know. Yeah. We, and, we quote unquote know. And look, there are few people that I have ever met that appreciate alone time as much as I do, that like being alone as much as I do. But even I draw the line somewhere, you know? And so I, and so at times it's, it's well, kind of- Well, you don't t- even get to meet the people who draw further than you do. So That's true. That's true. That's true. But so that I kind of started having those feelings towards the end of it or whatever. Um, but I mean, like, look, with the- I didn't hate the score, but as I was watching it, there were there were a few uh, similar to if Beale Street could talk. There were a few kind of um, cues mm-hmm. that felt a little melodramatic and kind of like okay, okay. But my biggest complaint with it wasn't as much the score itself. It was as much of like you are setting a film in the old west. It doesn't need to be like super super like like slide guitar yeah. like cheesy but i would like some guitar work in there i would mm-hmm. like some i mean, i you know i could see the argument being made but at the same time paris I'm, texas yeah no I, I i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say you couldn't make that film but i'm not unhappy that this I, film didn't want to be that yeah. i did i did and i i think so did either of you guys see the rider i know we didn't oh, I, no i, I haven't but to. also no on the road again <laughs> I would I would have been mad about that. Might have been on the yeah. nose. Yeah, so I would have been mad about that. the you know the, but but seeing uh you know the, this film after seeing the writer it's this is Zhao's previous immediately yes, previous the, the writer director Chloe Zhao. Mm-hmm. I mean th- this is filmmaking well beyond a place where I feel like somebody, I mean, she's only in her thirties Yeah, to, to be making films like this that have this kind of patience about them and this kind hold of, on, hold on, hold then, on, Carlos, don't say it. Cause Carlos looked it up. I, I, I did you know her next film is an Avengers? Yes, film? I do know. Yeah, that. That, I do, that's I, no, I know that's that. going to be a film to watch. I, I hate I'm, to say it. I'm very curious to see what it yeah, is. I fucking I, hate it. I do. You hate that I she's hate doing that it. She's doing that, but give her a paycheck. Let, oh, let I'm her down. Have it. Let her have it, and then see what she does next, and see if she brings something to the genre. I listen. Hey, our buddy, our good buddy, Taika Taika Watiti, uh-huh. showed us how it's done. Best one but so far, and has brought something to the MCU that has made made it a little more palatable for me. That so, transition makes more sense though, because he's coming from comedy, and the MCU movies very much rely on yeah. this brevity, this right, lightness right, of the right, of, right. of, of oh, comedy. I trust, I trust and she is this very poignant, profound mm. kind of filmmaker, from what I can tell from this yeah. movie. That and has, from the writer, yeah. Which I I I and want. She, I do want to go has back. Another feature too. Yeah, she had one before that. Yeah, uh, that was produced by Forrest Whitaker, as it turns out. But all the uh, research I did was that 
that the writer is the same technique, that there's a lot of non-actors. Yes, right. And she's in directing. fact, the lead in that is like somebody who she, she met uh-huh. and was Did, so compelled by his story that she wanted to tell that. Don't you feel that, that Frances McCormand is bringing performances out of these non-actors because she is such a veteran at what she does? I'm, I'm sure that being around somebody as good as her... Mm-hmm puts non-actors at ease and it makes them feel like they're in a more natural situation. But I want to ask if this is a technique that Chloe Zhao is known for implementing in her past works, did she cast actual aliens Uh for Eternals? I think so. Sorry, I had to get that joke in. It wasn't a great joke. It didn't get a laugh. No, I was playing along as if it was serious (laughs) to help the joke. (laughs) No, but it, but it is, it's, it's funny now. So seeing two of these films that I've been really impressed by. So we should see the writer. I, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I want no. to. It, 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 it's definitely worth it. Um, it, the seeing both of those films, seeing her work with non-actors, the performance she's, the performances she gets out of people, what she chooses to highlight about these people's lives, and the way that she does it. And I think you know, Joe, what you were saying, it's like it does have these melodramatic elements, but it pulls back. It it doesn't it doesn't overplay them. It doesn't yeah. turn them into the histrionic kind of like shouting match right. version of the family squabble right. that you would see right. in a Ben Stiller movie or what, you know, I mean, you're seeing it played as it would where like people who are not as articulate are kind of getting their points out and then everybody's frustrated and then it dissolves and then they move on to the next part of their lives, mm-hmm. and which is, it's frustrating and it's, and it's Which sad. might be confusing for us because the, the the main criticism that I'm hearing is that it's boring, mm. which I understand that criticism if you're raised on Avengers movies because right. it's leaving the human experience to fill in the gaps. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of more, uh, what's the nice way to say it? Immature film goers. Mm-hmm. Is that a nice way to I think movie say goers it? would not like this movie. People that go see movies. I know, and we are not, in a movie. Would not like this movie. Now, if you're interested in the art of filmmaking, <laughs> yeah. this is a film yeah. for you. This would, Best yeah. film of the year? We'll have to find out next week. We'll have to find out next week. Interesting fact on Metacritic, the top five films, uh-huh. the top five highest rated films on Metacritic, only two of them are- Ever? Ne- no, time? for 2020. Oh, 2020. For 2020. Only two are narrative features. Oh, is that right? Three, two documentaries, and then David Byrne's American Utopia populate yeah. the top five. Number three, Nomadland. Number one, Lovers Rock. Huh. I, I, so you I know I was a fan of that one. Yeah, but you know, to be in the, to be a, one of two narrative features to be unanimously critically acclaimed because Metacritic just combined. You know, it's yeah. can, can I tell? Can I just tell you that of all the films you've just. Uh, listed for us none of them are my number one film of 2020 mm, the anticipation <laughs> uh, another thing that i'll say possessor like. all the way <laughs> I, I was i think it's invisible man you're, it's you're invisible still pining man for, for sure. that last time you were in the theater watched it during the frozen apocalypse by the way. <laughs> loves loves elizabeth moss no you didn't you started it you didn't finish it i um, went back and finished it oh you did okay alone uh uh one thing i i also really liked about this movie was the kind of characters that pop up. You know, not every character needs to be revisited or needs to be, you know, you just kind of meet these people the way that she would. The cigarette kinda, lighter guy. I loved the cigarette loved lighter guy. guy. Yeah. Uh, I was I was actually, even though 
you know, I just said you don't need to kind of see them pop up again. They don't need to be recurring kind you of like whatever. Back. But well, I, I honestly didn't think about it at all. Okay. I, I kind of liked him whenever they met. And yeah. he was like, you know, he had this kind of he had this thing about him. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, though, the white dreadlocked people almost lost me uh, <laughs> when that was happening. I was like, it's, it's matrix. for real. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, man. Anyway. Uh, but when that guy comes back, I'm like. Oh yeah, this is this is good. I like this guy. Like, yeah. which is a simple way to to show that they had with the David Strathairn character yeah. the potential love interest. And the, the yeah. last thing I wanted to say before David, sure, wrap it up for us. Uh, God, I had something so funny to say. David Strathairn should have been yeah. played by Sam Neill, uh, <laughs> or at least. Narrated. Oh, I think David Strathairn's good. He, uh, was good. he did. He, was good. he did what he needed. But but when he first shows up, way. when he well, hold on. Uh, whatever it is about his first line. When he first, when they first meet, training potholder, something about his first line, and I think the way that he's his physicality and the way that it's shot or whatever, I just expected it to be Sam Neill. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it was about it, but I was expecting that voice to come out. Huh. The moment that uh, David Strathairn shows up, an actor I enjoy very much, uh, I, f- I'm tricked into believing that the film's going to do something that it wisely does not right, do. Right, right. Because they intersect several times, just like she re-intersects with Cigarette Lighter Guy. They re- intersect, and you know that a love interest is building, uh-huh. and you know that it, it, they have the opportunity here for them to settle down and live a normal life. yeah, right. And that they don't go that route is so wise. Well, she chooses so not smart. To. No, I mean that the, the film that the, yeah, that they did yeah. not go that way, right? Because that is that typical Amer- uh, typical immature uh, movie going audience expectation. Yeah, that she's got to get back to normal. That she's got to, and no, 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 she doesn't. Yeah, I was talking about Sam Elliott. Her normal. Sorry. Her, her, oh, okay. She, oh, that I, makes more I, sense. I, I was that talking about Sam Elliott. The film is about her finding her, her normal. <laughs> yes. And her normal to the average viewer is abnormal. This yeah, lifestyle. Right, right. Absolutely. So what we've decided to do is to adopt this lifestyle, but have a home base to come back to. So we're not really adopting it right. at all. But in the near future, in the future, yeah, uh, I'm going to be out in a van looking at those vistas. Looking at those uh, bird nests and kayaking. It's interesting because you know, and and I hear what swimming you're swimming on my back nude. And <laughs> and what and what you were saying earlier about this is going to inspire people. I think it. I think it could. I think I, it I think, will. I think what's interesting I don't though. Think that it will. I, well, okay, because I think that it also to many people is going to come across as a very sad portrait. But even for those of us who maybe see it as one that is less desirable i think that there's part of the strength of the film is that it does bring across there's a real nobility and like just this woman fern for instance mcdormand she's making a choice that this is something that she wants this is something that she's found that is going to fulfill her in in whatever way it can and and she pursues it even though Many of those around, like society as it exists, is really set up to not at all reward that choice and to actually dissuade her from it at every turn. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty powerful. I, I love that it's doing that. Now, if I have any tiny, tiny sliver oh, of criticism for this film, it's that I do think this, the nomadic lifestyle of going from gig to gig to gig to gig, 
is it's wonderful if it's what somebody chooses and they're and they're and they're doing it. But I think it's something that some people get trapped in and that it can have this really I mean, you know, you work, you work, you work. Well, what happens when you have that broken leg? What happens when you have and we don't really ever get I mean, we see mortality. We see this woman, you know, but she's going to get to drive off into the sunset and have this wonderful. And I'm glad they gave that character that. Um, however, I think there is more hardship to that lifestyle and there are some people who get trapped in it in ways that they don't necessarily want to be trapped in that I, the film doesn't really give any to, but that, that doesn't, that's not to take away from this story. I think think Fern's story exists and it's a valid story to tell, but if we're thinking about that entire milieu, I think there's a little bit more to it that. It would have been interesting if they could have worked something in that would have shown. I think you just need to sign up for Bob Wells, how to set a broken leg little class (laughs) that he puts on around the campfire. Come on. I, uh, I do, I do agree with David about that. Um, because I mean, it's, it is something that's touched upon a little bit, but I mean, I, there, there are hints of the fact that a lot of these people didn't have any other options or resources or anything like that. And like, yeah, I mean, Swanky says to her, you better fucking have a plan. You need a fucking spare man. Like, cause if you're, if you get stuck out there and there's nobody around, you are fucked. Right. And it there, I think there is a darker undercurrent to it. I mean, I think to me, at least this movie shows this in a more, you know, grim reality of it than what the Instagram yeah, van sure. conversion Absolutely. people do. So, Absolutely. I mean, I think it does that. And like, I think I, it's it, giving you some, you but know. it doesn't, but it doesn't give you the real realness of it. Yeah. It gives you the palatable realness of yeah. it, you know? Well, and, it, and it gives me like good, competent, uh, responsible adults who are making this choice for the most part I'm, do, uh, doing that. I'm going to send yeah. you guys a YouTube link that I found today that was a older gentleman, no matter, yeah, giving his review, but you can tell that he has huh. a YouTube setup and yeah, yeah, nice yeah. camera and editing abilities. But um, it does pan over to him and his wife's van and yeah. it looks remarkably like her. What I mean, Fern like the had. ones we yeah. see in the film. Right, right. And his whole thing was i'm i'm reviewing this as a no matter to tell you how mm-hmm. accurate it is that's awesome and he doesn't go into what we're talking about yeah when you do get later in life and and your health does begin to decline the way it will with o- older people sometimes mm. almost always i was trying to be diplomatic um i'm thinking about my mom right now when mm-hmm. your health begins to decline yeah. it does not he does not address it in his review but he does say that the film is very 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 accurate and i could tell just by i don't know her at all as a filmmaker but i get the impression that Zhao's sensibility would be that i'm not going to present anything much much less than reality yeah and she she, I, she does a good job but you're right some of those harder cases are not addressed in a way that that is yeah, but but then again, does she have to present a no, even-handed? No, it, no, no. It doesn't have it, it's, to. It's yeah. a character study as much as it's yeah, a it peek at a you know lifestyle. Yeah, but yeah. but it is it's a complex lifestyle that it's fascinating to see. And if you're on the outside, that's you know I'm yeah. just like oh I know there's even more to it. Sure, so yeah. it makes me want to read the book. I probably agree on that at this yeah. point. Yeah, and there were there was a moment where uh, Fern and 
David are sitting next to each other eating dinner, looking out yeah. over this canyon. And as that that ha- that scene was playing out, I was like, man, this would be cool. Like, I could see myself entertaining something like this maybe at some point in my life. And then I, but then it it occurred to me, where do my records go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and, and where do my U-Haul trailer where do my air 95 what i don't know I my, it, where does my air max 95 collection yeah go? there you go yeah uh, I, I i could i could get out i mean i there was a large unit. there was a large stretch of my life where i wore just all black vans it's the only shoe I wore for years. So you go back uh, to that. That would be your. I, I, that is something I can do. I love. Okay. I do love sneakers, but I could. That's something that it's not a necessity to me. It's just something I enjoy. Um, <laughs> but the, I mean, you know, the where last, does my the synthesizer la- collection go? Which I know. I, at, I have a at, at one we'll, point is one, but at some point it will be many. And then, all, <laughs> and then where do all my records go? Where do my six turntables go? I, 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 I feel like how, we're going to have to explore this after I don't know, I don't know how pro craft beer this lifestyle would be. I expect that the places... Well, you can go from place to place. I was going to say, so pro craft yeah, beer. I know, but you just you, wouldn't have a cellar. You wouldn't want a community. I don't think that when that community gathers, I'm sure there's some alcoholic beverages being imbibed at that when the community gathers. I would think it's not a craft beer group. I don't know why. It could 100% could be. And you don't need the censor, the name of the beer delivery service here because they don't pay us you wouldn't need them you are them you're driving all over the country but it, but it is my price. name would be crafty it is, it is <laughs> it depends it depends on what gig you're working yeah it, it, call yeah. you dj <laughs> and we call you david big red big red <laughs> rojo big rojo oh my david gosh. rojo all right so <laughs> i don't want to say a complete failure but we had the opportunity to wash a semi failure uh, out of our mouth from that first go a less than stellar s- less oh than you're stellar. you're saying that yes beer oh, yeah. wise did we step up beer wise did we from what we the, had um i enjoyed this ipl i i think it's um i think it's good i mean i don't have any it's interesting uh it it does have like a lighter body to it than i think a lot of ipas it and I guess it is a little bit crisper. So I mean, I can I can see where the India Pale Lager piece of this comes in. Uh-huh. But it's got that hop character that I would expect with an IPA, and that's right up front. And it's got the Christmas of crispness and of the, the lager. Christmas, I mean, it's yeah. exactly as advertised. Yeah, and so I mean, I I think it's pulling off the trick. I I like it pretty well. I think it's a mirror discussion of our golden stout. We had two or three oh, of yeah. them, a, a, a style that you don't see too often, right. a style that we even questioned this in the style because we're not tasting anything amazing. Then we had a couple of golden stouts that elevated the experience right. for the entire sub genre of, of, the, of the classification of it. This is not the IPL that I introduced to someone to say, you got to try an Imperial Pale Lager. Right. It delivers the Christmas of the crispness of the lager. There is a hot profile there. What they tried to do gets across as far as an experiment, but this is not exceptional. And, and I, I hoped that it would have been so that mm-hmm. I could say that Imperial pale lager is my new favorite style right now. I don't think I'm seeking it out much. And India pale lager is not a style that is going to become a fad or that's going to be something that's going to blow you away. It is an interesting experiment. It's Mm -hmm. an interesting deviation from the 
you know, hazies and all that kind of stuff that we are used to seeing. Now it is pretty translucent. I will say like in, it strikes, it looks like a hazy. It looks like a hazy, which is, which is probably why I went there and didn't go to the West coast. Um, but there are times where there are things of this nature, sour stouts, another one, they're never going to be the predominant, variant of the style and they're never going to be something that dominates your refrigerator but i'll say i mean if if i if my beer purveyor whoever that may be uh has houston haze every time i go or has some other popular hazy ipa every time i go at some point I'm going to see an IPL next to the Houston Hayes and think, you know what? I'll try it. This is, I've had this in my fridge every single day for the last month or last mm-hmm. two months. I'll go with this one this time. You know, this is never going to be a brewery's flagship either, you know, but no, it, it is an interesting be. idea. It is an interesting drinking experience and it is a, an enjoyable drink, uh, drinking experience for someone who cares about beer in a way that they will be able to understand what it means to be an India pale lager versus an India pale ale. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that makes craft beer fun. Yeah. Because hazy IPAs weren't a thing until they became a thing. Someone had to make the first one and call it that. So I, 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 I am not a, I am a fan of craft beers getting weird. It doesn't bother me at all. Right. It's my now, favorite if it's, part if, about if it. it's profitable, you'll continue to make it. If it's not profitable, you won't. But the market of craft beer is very much a let me try the new thing. Mm-hmm. And to the chagrin of a lot of brewers, to the chagrin of a lot of brewers that do dumb marketing campaigns on that against it. No, you can't. We're not against it. Anyone in particular thinking of there, buddy? Uh, let's, not, let's not name names. Let's not name names. <laughs> Well, we we've done it. We we've reached the end. We, we've, <laughs> that was a weird exclamation point. That was oh, I, I, David, two highly anticipated did, films. Did you yeah. speak in depth about your feelings on this? Yeah, I, I mean, I said I thought it did what it set out to do. Yeah. It, it has the Christmas of a logger. It is that's right. That's right. That's the, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two just, highly I just, anticipated. I mean, films. I I just wanted. I just want to. Make I agree sure with you. what you guys are saying. I don't think this is stand out in a way that everybody needs to seek it out. But I think it's the sort of thing that if you're curious. And you were to try something like you'd be like, yeah, that's what an indie pale lager is. Oh, yeah. cool, great. So, kudos to you. Uh, I'm forgetting my divine uh, barrel, divine the barrel. Yeah, religious yeah. conversation. I didn't, divine I didn't burst into flames. Dexterity, not um, yet. <laughs> but as we said, two highly anticipated films. Um, will they appear on our top twenty, our top five list that we'll be presenting next week, along with the best beers that we've had? Best performances, this biggest is, surprises. This is what listeners need. To Worst film tune of the year. I'm ready for, to go with yeah, it. Yeah, I, I'm not ready to talk about my top films of the year because I haven't put that list together. But I, I now will feel confident. I have a when task I get there before me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have some ideas. Remember what I, David did I, last year? I, I, he I was the only ideas. one between the three of us that added a film that we hadn't talked about on the show. Of I wonder if he's going to pull that bullshit yeah, again. He's going to do it. Yeah. I know he does. <laughs> Uh, I, I might there, there yeah. might be one or two that, what if that, I did <laughs> I could be a curveball well, one uh, thing I had no Fast and Furious to, the to choose from this the year souvenir. can't wait for that second part you do have some Shia LaBeouf performances I do uh, we'll see uh, um, yeah that's a that's a can of worms All right. right there um, 
too late in, too late in the episode to rabbit hole. It's gonna be uh, a lively. But you can uh, follow along for all the rabbit holes in after hours on our Patreon. If you are not on the Patreon, you are missing out on essential beer and a movie content. You can find that patreon.com slash beer and a movie podcast. Five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week, barring uh historical weather events. Um well, have you, I'm sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you have seen these films. If you are a discerning film goer, these are two films that you would have watched. So now that I know that you have watched them, I want you to talk to us about them. Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, uh, Beer and Movie Podcast.com. There's a link to listen to all the past. Uh, this, I think this is episode 130. We're getting close. So there's 129 more episodes for you to go back and listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, if someone searches for a beer podcast or movie podcast, we want to be the first ones to pop up. So help us do that. If you leave a written review, which you should, I will review your review on the show. Let us know. Until next time. Words are beautiful, but action is supreme. 